party people! This is Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor. And I am your host and nosy neighbor, Millie Brooks. Hey guys, it's been a minute, hasn't it? But we're back! We're together! We're reunited! Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So this is episode 25, but it is the first episode of season three. And with season three, I am going to take it down a notch. I know. Is it possible? I don't know. We'll see. But we are going to have a slight shift in tone this season. The topic of this episode is my own struggle with infertility. And I've really grappled with whether or not to share such a personal and intimate side of my life on the show. But it sort of dawned on me about a month ago um, that if me opening up about my struggle and my journey, um, it could possibly help someone else. And that is definitely worth it. Um Throughout the face of my own journey, um, I've found a lot of comfort in other people um, sharing their story on YouTube and Instagram, and it's just made me feel not so alone. So here I am doing the same thing. I am going to throw my own experience into the mix, and this season is going to get real. Um, some of the topics include IUIs, um, in vitro fertilization, different holistic approaches to infertility, and we also have one episode about miscarriages. So everything that is said in this season is based on personal experience. I am clearly not a doctor, nor do I practice medicine of any kind. Um, So like everything, take what you hear on this show with a grain of salt. And if you are someone struggling with infertility, always talk with your doctor before trying something new. Because what might work for someone else might actually be a terrible idea for you and your situation. So always proceed with caution and talk to your healthcare provider. With me today to talk about my infertility journey is my husband, Rowan Brooks. Welcome, Rowan. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Millie. I'm glad you're here. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, We're currently facing the COVID-19 pandemic, so um, I'm not actually allowed to leave the house, so... So you uh, had no choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously really glad to support... The podcast, and especially with this new season, I think there's a lot of people probably going through this, and I know that you've got a lot out of listening to others talk about this, so happy to lend my voice to to share our experience of doing it. And as of now, we still remain really optimistic that you know we'll find a good solution for, for this uh, subfertility situation. Yep. I mean, infertility is a team sport, and... You got to have a teammate. That's right. So I'm glad you're here. Let's start with a little disclaimer, though. 
Um, we are going to get real about our story in this episode. So the TMI factor is going to be relatively off the charts. So if you are a family member, please consider that if you are going to listen. And if you also just want to bypass this episode, that's also cool as well. Okay, so let's start at the beginning when we first started talking about, you know, trying to conceive. Yes, we, when we first became a TTC couple. TTC couple, yep. It was May 2018. Um, we did not officially pull the goalie, but we we did like a few months of me just taking prenatals, reading a couple of books, um, doing a couple of preconception appointments just to make sure that all systems go. And uh, we were ready. Yep. Pretty excited. We're pretty excited and ready and ready to dive into that pool. <laughs> um, and then in August of 2018, my mom died. And that set us back a little bit. So the grief of losing my mom was so heavy that I couldn't bear the thought of becoming a mom while, you know, I had just lost my own mother. So it's, it's a very challenging weight to carry around, but um, while we are navigating through all of this, but you find ways to cope with waves of grief, and that's what we did, and we took, a, took about four months off of actively trying to dive into the pool, I guess you could say. Um, and then in December 2018, we started to we were ready to jump back in line and try naturally. Yep. So that was in Japan. Yes. And um, we started using generic, you know, I used a, just a very simple period app to predict ovulation and quickly realized that I needed to start using ovulation predictor kits, which are OPKs. And those help predict ovulation 24 hours in advance by, you know, detecting the LH surge, which is the luteinizing hormone, which metabolizes into the urine um, and tells you when you're about to ovulate. So I bought a 500 pack of OPKs. We started eating more veggies, eating leaner meats. And also incorporating some vitamins. Why don't you talk about your vitamins? <clears throat> sure, sure. Um, well, currently I'm using um, a, a Theralogix brand. Uh, essentially, my urologist at Kaiser gave me a list of uh, supplements that I he would yeah, recommend that I, that I take. And I found them all kind of um, put into one pill. Um, so the Conception XR is the pill that I'm taking. It includes vitamins uh, C, D3, and E. Uh, it includes folic acid and zinc, as well as selenium. <clears throat> um, these are basically antioxidants, right? Essentially, mm -hmm. these are to increase blood flow. Uh, another good um, uh, supplement for that is CoQ10, and I'm taking a 600 milligram uh, pill of that every day, along with fish, fish oil. And then, uh, and then Theralogix also does a, um, a sperm motility supplement called uh, uh, it's the Conception XR Motility Support Formula. 
So those are the ones Fancy. I'm on. Yeah. Nice. Um, so my supplement routine is kind of similar. I'm taking a prenatal vitamin, uh, CoQ10 as well, D3, magnesium, and fish oil with omega-3s. Um, excuse me. Um, <laughs> um, belching is allowed during the conversation, by the way. Um, so anyways, I also got the Ava bracelet, which is something you wear like a watch at night, and it measures different parameters that shift throughout your cycle and help better determine ovulation. Those parameters are skin temperature, resting pulse rate, heart rate variable, var variability ratio, um, perfusion, which is the passage of blood through the circulatory system, and breathing rate. So it measures just like a, all those different parameters um, to help you give you help give you a time frame of your fertile window. I don't want to do a deep dive into that gadget, but throughout my journey, I compared the results from my Ava bracelet to my OPKs as well, and they were relatively in sync, which is reassuring. Um, so throughout the time of trying naturally, Rowan, you got a semen analysis after maybe about month five, I think. Yeah, I think we kind of started to ask questions as to why perhaps we weren't uh, conceiving naturally. And so obviously it, it was important to start looking into, you know, what was the cause of the infertility or subfertility. And, you know, it's generally considered, you know, the myth is that there's some part of the female reproductive system that maybe is not functioning correctly. But actually, it does uh, fall pretty evenly um, between male and female, 50-50%, um, the factors um, as to why couples can't conceive. Um, so, yeah, I went to Kaiser, and I got um, a sperm test, and they look at two things, uh, amount, the sperm count, and the motility, which is kind of the, the strength and speed and vitality of the sperm to make sure that it kind of can get up to where it needs to, swim up to where it needs to be. Um, yeah, to <laughs> ultimately, um, fertilize the egg. Yeah. And, um, the results of those tests were... Or fertilize the follicle to become an egg. Right. right? Well, the, the egg is in the follicle. That's right. So, yeah. Once the follicle bursts open, the egg is released. That's right. Um, so, yeah, and that was, I mean... I highly recommend getting a semen analysis early on in the process. I think you can save yourself a lot of time and money understanding part of the problem, you know, early on. <clears throat> yeah, and, and, and my concern, obviously, being slightly older than Millie, I'm 42 now, I'm 41 when we started, um, was that maybe there was going to be some complications there, but, um, cause there is obviously drop off as you, as you get older for men as well as women. Um, and luckily I had a, I had a normal sperm count, but my motility, my motility was low. So they were running in circles. <laughs> they were doing jumping jacks in place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we had... needed them to go in a straight line. That's right. That's right. Um, forty percent is the optimal, and I was at thirty-five at the time. Mm -hmm. And subsequently, through taking these supplements, I've actually seen some, uh, yeah, some some improvement, improvement, massive improvements. Yeah, which is great. 
Um, so I mean, I will maybe I'll just jump in and say I mean, there's basically three factors to consider with the male side of things. It would be hormonal, and that's something that's treatable usually through a pill. Um, it's uh, it's anatomical. There are anatomical problems that can be they're more of a kind of surgical, clinical um, ways to correct those. Uh, one would be uh, let me see if I can say this right, varicocele, uh, which is a kind of a, a dilated um, vein vein in the scrotum, and yeah. then you would use some kind of corrective technique, or you'd actually uh, kind of harvest uh, the the sperm from the scrotum. And implant it, and then the other is lifestyle, and that's the simplest one, obviously, to to um, to change. Yeah, and see it's results. the easiest and the cheapest. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I mean, the it was very reassuring to know to see that the supplements were working in our favor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, definitely get it done. Yeah, and long the, story and short, on, you know, on the lifestyle, I mean, it's kind of the classic thing, right? Um, uh, drinking is considered a factor in infertility or subfertility, mm -hmm. uh, smoking, and then <laughs> marijuana as well. And um, yeah, as a, a per kind of personal thing, I, I was not really drinking at the time, um, not really drinking, um, but, um, but I was doing a little like five milligram or five grams, like an edible every once in a while, and um, I cut that out. As soon as I kind of realized that that could be a factor, I was like, all right, I'm done, straight edge. Yeah. While we focus on this. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's, you know, they say that the THC in marijuana uh, tends to slow down sperm a little bit. Right. So, you know, that combined with Low motility. We it might it might have been the contributing right. contributing factor for low motility. Low motility. Right. Um, so cutting that out and then incorporating supplements was yep. a good. Yep. Was a good solution. Um, so after ten months of trying naturally, um, with no success, um, I bit the bullet and decided to make an appointment at a fertility clinic. And, um, you know, they say to wait a year. If you're over 35, they say wait six months before seeking help. But, you know, I was 34. I'm like, you know, we've been trying this for, you know, trying and tracking for 10 months. But we haven't really been being cautious about it for more than 10 months. So um, I just made an appointment, and they, they said they would meet with us. Um, we did some labs, tested two hormones, but not all of them, which, you know, this is a whole other ep uh, episode. Um, you know, choosing your fertility clinic that you want to go to is also a big process, and you want to be informed when you go into your meetings with your doctors um, because you'll just, you know, you'll advance quicker and you'll have more information, which is helpful. Um, so when I first did some labs at this clinic, they only tested two hormones, the AMH and the thyroid. Um, so that was kind of the first red flag that I had. Um, and they didn't test, um, they didn't do a complete blood panel which would include estradiol, prolactin, and FSH. 
Um, but the ones that they did test, I had high levels of AMH, which is the hormone that tells you how many eggs you have in reserve, and my thyroid was normal. So all everything looked good. Um, and we started with a medicated IUI cycle, um, which is an entry-level treatment um, for infertility. And it's the process of um, essentially taking sperm and inseminating it past the cervix and into the uterus through a catheter. So I took 50 milligrams of Clomid on that IUI cycle and then use the trigger shot. And, you know, all, you know, as we were starting this, we knew that the success rates for IUI were not that great. It was like one in 10 chances of conception. Um, but it's important to point out that how, you know, how an IUI success rates vary depend upon the age of the woman, the drugs, if any, that she takes, and relatedly, the number of follicles that grow. And in that first cycle, I only had one follicle mature. So, you know, it's way cheaper than IVF. It's like 1500 bucks kind of deal, right? Yeah, yeah. It, and it varies. It can, some, some clinics, it'll be like 500 you know, so, um, so we, we wanted to try it, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, the only, so we only had one follicle and unfortunately, um, Rowan's total modal sperm count were not, were not ideal. Well, they say, they say 10 million sperm is optimal uh, and... Post-wash. So what they do is they wash the sperm, remove uh, the, the, the actual... Uh, Sugars. Proteins and, and yeah. anything that, that's not needed. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that cycle... But my motility was up to 88%. So his motility had increased. That was like... That was awesome. Yeah. Because from the semen analysis nine months prior... His motility was the issue, but now the counts were a little low, but the motility was high. Yep. So that was that was reassuring. Yeah. Um, so that cycle was unsuccessful. Fast forward to a month ago, we tried another cycle of IUI, and um, this time we did a double IUI, meaning two procedures back to back in the same cycle just to improve improve the amount of sperm up there during ovulation you know <laughs> yeah and, and tribute to you millie for for kind of advising that or requesting that because our our doctor wasn't going to recommend that but i i you know i see the advantage of, of like having two shots at the same yeah um, follicles right i mean by by, by implanting the sperm, the semen, or the, the sperm, um, into the into the uterus. Yeah. On two two different days, you're basically almost doubling. It, it's not quite double because sperm takes time to re regenerate, and so you're obviously, um, you know, you're not as kind of, you don't have as much sperm on day two. Right. 
But um, but yeah, you found that and requested it from our doctor, and he obliged. Yep, yep. I kind of broke him down a little bit. <laughs> I can't. He he was sort of. He was like, the chances aren't that much better. And I was like, but if even if it's a little bit more better, why don't we try it? Because we all know the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I didn't want to do that. I was like, what are we going to do differently this month, buddy? Bucko. You know? Like, come on. I don't want to do the same thing. I want to change it up. So we... Um, and his response was interesting. He said, well, you know, the more chances, the more times you try, the better the chances are. And I was like, I, I, I don't believe that for a second. You know, when you are in your mid-30s and you've been trying for almost a year, you want to, you're ready to, you know, you already took the time to be at the fertility clinic. You're ready for the big guns. You're ready to take you know, certain steps if something doesn't work. So I definitely kind of broke him down and he agreed to do it. And um, so we increased my Clomid to 100 milligrams that cycle. And my follicles were slow to grow even though we increased my Clomid. So he put me on letrozole mid-cycle. Um, and by the time we were ready to do the trigger shot, I only had one follicle again. Just like one take Millie all the time. <laughs> um, all you need is one, but again, if you have more, you improve your chances. If you have more, if you release more than one egg, you improve your chances. Right. Right? So we still followed through with the double IUI and... For the first day of the procedure, after the trigger shot, Rowan's numbers skyrocketed, went through the roof. They broke the glass ceiling, <laughs> which was exciting. Yeah. We passed the 10 million mark yeah. of sperm, right. which was great. And you felt really good about that. Sure. You did. I did. You did. I did. Okay, you can be, you can, you can feel good about certain, you know, there's certain milestones and certain victories, yeah. small victories. Yeah. You got to celebrate the small victories. It's such a hard, it's such a hard thing. I mean, one of the things that we have been, it one of the definitions is uh, unexplained infertility. And that's the hardest thing, I think. Well, I mean, obviously the hardest thing is to know, I mean, some people will learn that they are, men are sterile, that they don't mm -hmm. have any sperm. Um, you know, I'm, I feel lucky that we're not, I'm not there. Um, but, you know, on paper, um, everything looks right. And, um, and actually, one test that we did more recently that we did, maybe didn't bring up in our, in our timeline here was the um, oh the sperm DNA fragmentation, fragmentation test because that's the thing that the urology lab doesn't cover is like basically the, the the fragility of the of the of the sperm as well because you you may have you know high levels and great motility but the actual you know um, the DNA fragmentation could be causing breaks in the sperm. Uh, gaps and then that means that they're not really very robust so they don't kind of have the strength to kind of either 
get into and fertilize the egg or even just kind of go full term. So that's another, it's a $450 test where, you know, they send this kind of uh, contraption from South Dakota and you give a sample and FedEx it back and then within a week you get your results. So that was another thing that I would recommend actually earlier on because you do hear yeah. horror stories about people who on paper everything looks good from their urology tests and then they find out um, you know months later from there's also a t uh, it's also referred to as a tunnel test or a cap cap test um, but uh, cap or cat ca uh, cap like uh, capitalization oh. yeah mm. um, test um, but the one I did was called um, the SCSA, um, sperm chromatin structure assay test, and um, yeah. Cool. And they they came out that those results were also positive. Correct. So that was also reassuring. But you know, there's a lot of people who will throw money at IVF without knowing that, oh my God, you know, there's something wrong with the DNA of your sperm, you know? So yeah, I want to correct the record. It wasn't, it was capacitate, capacitate, a critical means of male fertility. Capacitation is the process sperm must undergo to become able to fertilize an egg. Mm -hmm. So it's a capacitate test. Okay. Cap test. Yeah. Cap test. Got it. So it's, cap yeah, it's capabilities of being able to get the job done kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, so, you know, the numbers were great on that first day. We went in for the second day of the IUI, um, and the numbers were not so great, which were expected, you know, when, when you're giving two samples two days in a row, it's just not enough, you know, time in between um, samples to kind of rejuvenate and regenerate the sperm. So, but we still went through with it, the double IUI, and um, just a couple days ago, we found out that it was unsuccessful, which is a bust. You know, by this point in time, you're kind of just, you're just so used to getting bad news that it just doesn't sting that hard. You know, you kind of have this, like, you wear this really hard shield around. You just have this armor all over that is, um, that just doesn't let any bad news kind of per per perpetrate too hard. Yeah, I, th I think, I think it's, it's, you know, you always kind of just have to keep, Expecting yourself, uh, kind of setting yourself up to um, to hear the worst and deal with it. I mean, we're yeah. not out of expect options. the worst, pre or prepare for the worst, expect the best. <laughs> Was that it? Yeah, uh, something like yeah. that. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 heartbreaking in many ways because we want to get our family started. But I learned um, a while ago that you got to just take that pressure off of yourself because it just gonna. I, I don't know how much of a factor that is in terms of how that, that kind of level of tension and stress factors yeah. into this. Um, and I know like... Well, and that's one thing, 
every woman in the TTC club hates to hear. Right. Which is like, just relax, yeah. just relax. Like, yeah. we've been told that over and over again. But this process, there's nothing relaxing about this process. You know? It's quite, it's invasive. Yeah, it's, it's invasive. It's impersonal and, uh, you know, people try their best to be kind. Um, yeah. And, but, it, you know, because usually it's such joy, it's such joy around, around, you know, birth and conception. And most people are, are fine. They never go through this. But actually, it's pretty high numbers. Like one in eight people, one in eight couples experience yeah. uh, infertility or subfertility. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's more common than perhaps people realize. And that's what we're doing. Like, that's why we're talking about it. Because, you know... Um, like I said earlier on in this episode, you know, it when we were trying naturally and it wasn't working for a long time, I found a lot of comfort in hearing other people's stories, you know, and having other people talk about it, whether it was on Instagram or YouTube or personal friends or friends of friends, you know, um... It was all so, it was so relieving. And I remember, I remember finally finding a support group for infertility, which was a massive step for me personally. And if you are out there and you are struggling with infertility, like, you know, find your tribe, find your people that you can talk to and, um... I have two friends that I text. Hi, Aaron and Steph. I hope you're listening. <laughs> Shout out to you guys. But they're two friends that I met at um, through a support group, and we text every day, and, you know, we're talking about our journeys, and, you know, it's just nice to bounce stuff off of each other. And, you know, oh, well, I did this, and they said that. Did you ask about this? You know, it, it's helpful. It's just more information is so helpful yeah. during this process. So even though that cycle was unsuccessful, we were looking forward to starting IVF treatment this month. However, because of the coronavirus, all elective procedures have been put on hold excuse me, um, so we are in this holding pattern where we are, you know, continuing our le healthy lifestyle and vitamin routine and getting a few more tests done. Um, I'm finally getting a full, complete blood panel test and waiting for this plague to pass <laughs> so we can become parents. Um, and it, it, you know... <clears throat> Last week, we got news from the clinic that um, it was going to be in May. We were, we were just going to have to hold off until May. And then two days ago, they said that it's indefinite. They're not putting a time frame on it. So we could be, we could be in limbo for a while, which is agonizing yeah um but in the meantime we're gonna keep talking about it keep sharing our story um this whole season is dedicated to those struggling with infertility 
Um, and we've got a lot of stuff lined up um, that I think you'll find helpful. So, <clears throat> do you have anything else that we didn't run through that you want to mention? No, I, I, no I, I think I would just say to all the guys out there, the, the, the men, you know, um, there's a lot that you can do to, um, to get, you know, better informed. And um, there's also a lot that we, we need to understand about the female anatomy to really kind of uh, be supportive in this. And, and it's, it may seem like a, a learning curve, but that's intimidating at first, but I think it's something that you have to- Overall, it's empowering. Do together and participate yeah. together. And I, I try as much, as much as I can to get to all of the- um, Yeah, you were at every single follicle scan yeah. appointment, yeah. which made me feel, you know, those appointments are only 10 minutes long, but you know, it was really great to have you there. It's, it's nice to be there and be part of this process. And, and I'm really lucky that, Millie is so proactive and smart and, you know, able to, like, advocate so strongly. Because I, I also think that we don't advocate for our own, you know, part of this. And, and mm -hmm. uh, I really, like I say, credit to Millie for doing all the research and, uh, and bringing me along for the ride here. I try to keep up. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to learn. but There's a lot to learn. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. That's a very supportive thing to say, and I, I feel and love you, and thank you. I love you. I, um, I do think that information is powerful in this stuff. Yeah. And you got to come in informed. Almost every appointment that I had, I came in with a list of questions, and I was just reading the questions out. Yeah. You know, because you get so you get so flustered in the doctor's room. You're you're naked. Somebody's pushing a wand up your hoo ha, and you're like, you know, you you, you, you know, you can't be expected to think on your feet when you're in the nude. <laughs> <laughs> when your feet are in the stirrups. When your feet are in the stirrups. So I literally would always write my questions down. Um, and so, and I, I recommend that to everybody. You know, come informed because I think, I think it'll help. You just don't have any control in this. You, you have such little control. But what you can, the control you do have is learning and being educated about it yeah yeah educating yourself can empower you yeah so that's good if you are someone struggling to conceive rowan and i hear you we are you and you're not alone Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week.